So good to be with you again this morning. Um, yeah, what a delight. Uh, well, what we're going to consider uh, this morning out of the book of Ecclesiastes, as Pastor and Suffern has just, uh, has just stated, it is uh, purpose in the passage of time. In particular, we're going to consider uh, the fact that time does move on. In the words of the hymn, time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons uh, away. Uh, one day passes after the next, one season, one year after the next, we grow older. And how does having a God-centered view of life, that is, remembering that simple command that we saw yesterday, to fear God and to keep his commandments, how does reverencing God and having God at the center of our life transform the way uh, that we view uh, time? I'm going to begin our, uh, our, our consideration today, and we're going to be all over a number, a number of different passages in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm not going to read anything right now, but uh, in the course of today's lesson, uh, I'm going to have several other uh, passages that we, uh, that we read. Uh, and simply to say as well, it's typically my practice back home when we have uh, an adult Sunday school hour to have it involve a lot of discussion and questions and those kinds of things, but there is some material I'm going to work through today, and so we're probably not going to do that so much uh, during uh, this morning's uh, session, but rather uh, work through this uh, very similar to, to a sermon in many ways. Uh, but I'm going to actually read a quote. Uh, this is from uh, uh, the French uh, philosopher uh, Pascal. He says these words, uh, when I consider the short duration of my life, swallowed up in the eternity that lies before and after it, when I consider the little space that I fill and I see, engulfed in the infinite immensity of spaces of which I am ignorant and which know me not, I rest frightened and astonished. For there is no reason I should be here rather than there. Who put me here? Why now rather than then? What an interesting uh, statement, perhaps more philosophical than the way that you and I would state it. But the things that he brings up are things which I think touch upon every one of our lives. You know, why do I live now rather than some other time? It seems that the space of my life is very short compared to all that has come before and all that is going that or all that is coming after. Life moves along very quickly. One day follows the next and it seems like we blink an eye and decades have passed and we draw near the end of our lives. The passage of time is something uh, that each of us uh, experience. And I want to, what I want to do today is to point out three things about the passage of time which the book of Ecclesiastes puts before our eyes. And then what we're going to see are three, uh, uh, we're going to consider, as it were, three statements about how Cry, or about how uh, uh, the Lord and his redeeming work transforms our view of time. So that's kind of where we're headed today. First of all, three different things about the passage of time. And the first of those 
is that uh, our lives are repetitious. They are repetitious. Uh, Somebody comes up to you and asks, well, what have you been up to this last week? A typical reply is, well, you know, same old, same old. (laughs) Doing the same things that I was doing uh, the week before. And actually, the book of Ecclesiastes recognizes that this is the case. If you turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. In other words... With every day, it's the same thing. Sunrise, sundown, next day, sunrise, sundown, and it continues on. The wind, verse 6, blows to the south and goes around to the north. And around and around goes the wind, and on its circuit, the wind returns. Okay, the wind, perhaps sometimes unpredictably, but nonetheless repetitiously blows and stops and then blows again. It seems to always be blowing and never going anywhere. Verse 7, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Okay, and so we have streams and flowing into rivers and rivers into oceans and those oceans, though, never filling to the brim. It's something called the water cycle, and I'm no expert in it, but uh, we understand how it works. There's a kind of uh, repetition to water running from one place to another, but it seems that ultimately really nothing changes at all. And so here we have a kind of natural world It's pointing out in Ecclesiastes 1 that is hurrying from one place uh, to another, and yet it seems no progress is made and nothing is gained. But it seems as it happens in the world around us, so it happens in our human experience as well. And that's what verse 8 goes on to say. Well, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under uh, the sun. Here we are speaking again of the passage of days. And it seems that our days are filled with many of the same things that they were filled with before. Just think about this in your normal week. Okay, Um, it's Sunday again, just like it was Sunday a week ago. And it was a week before that as well. And tomorrow's going to be Monday. And you've had how many Mondays in the course of your life? And you fill up your days with sort of the same routines. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to probably eat some breakfast. You're going to get dressed in the morning, perhaps showered, and then you're going to 
uh, go about some of your morning routine. Some of you go to work. Others have other routines that you engage in. You're going to eat another meal at some point. Okay, perhaps at, in the evening you're going to come home, have an evening uh, meal, spend time with those that are in your house. Perhaps you have certain hobbies that you engage in, but typically you even do those. Well, every Monday night I do this particular hobby or I watch this particular show on TV and you do all of that and then you go to sleep and you have your hours of sleep and you wake up the next day and you do exactly the same thing all over again. One day after another, after another, filled with the, the same things. And as our days and weeks are like that, so our years are like that as well. Here we are, it's another autumn. They come every year. <laughs> and we're going to go through the normal seasons that we go through. It's going to be autumn, and then we're going to move on into winter and uh, Christmas time and uh, everything. And then we're going to have some snow. It might be a little bit more, a little bit less than previous years, but it, it comes every year. And then spring and then summertime and perhaps you have a summer vacation that you like to go on and well then you're going to one year from now you're going to come once again to the same spot that we're at this this year there's a kind of uh, repetition to it all and yet while there is this repetition both in nature as Ecclesiastes says but also in our own lives um, nonetheless our lives seem to be hurtling forward amidst this reputation with or repetition with extraordinary speed. Okay? Day follows day, month follows month, year follows year, and it seems like we blink an eye and it's almost all behind us. Okay? I'm 40, uh, let's see if I can remember even how old I am, 44 years old this year, okay? I generally look at about a 32-year-old and think that they're my peers. They really aren't anymore, right? I feel like I should still be about that age, and I'm not, right? I mean, time has moved on. And for those of you with kids or grandkids, you experience this more than anyone. I, I mean, my oldest this year is a senior in high school, and it seems like he was born yesterday. And I cannot understand where have these years gone how have they progressed so fast what what has happened and i've i've blinked and and life has just moved on and everything seems beyond me if i if i work till age 65 and i don't know you know we never know when what year you're going to work till but i'm i'm halfway through my working life and i i just can't fathom it right there's a repetition and yet in that repetition, life moves on uh, uh, speedily. Um, yeah, and, and you know, then what happens in our lives then also happens in generations. Um, in other words, you're going to live, this generation, you know, and, and sometimes we think, well, my life is going to endure in the generation that comes after me. Let's invest in that generation. Well, that generation is just going to grow up and they're, they're going to go through life every bit as fast as we are. And the next generation is going to come. And, you know, within two or three generations, our lives are going to be completely forgotten. That's um, the stark reality of it. Your grandkids might know who you are. Your great-grandkids might know your name. 
not much more. Your great-great-grandkids might not even know that. Life moves on fast. Okay, depressing sermon so far, right? Depressing lesson. But it's a stark reality of it that Ecclesiastes recognizes, the repetition of life. We're going to get to some good things that the Bible has to say about this in, in a few moments. But there's a second thing I want to talk about in the passage of time. Not only is life repetitious and yet speeds on quickly, a second thing is that life and time are uncertain as well. Uh, they are uncertain. Look with me at chapter 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, chapter 3 gives us a listing of a variety of life's experiences, a whole range of human experiences and emotions. Uh, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a Time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Probably some of you have a tune running through your heads, the old uh, song by the birds, but it's, you know, it's based on this passage. But basically what this passage is doing is it's giving us the, really the full range of, of human experience, the variety of things that we endure in the course of this life and uh, and many of us experience these, but you know what's uncertain is when these things are going to happen to us. From our perspective, we don't know. In other words, you, you don't know what a day is going to bring. You don't know what next week is going to bring. There is a repetition to it, as we've just said, and yet, as it were, breaking into our lives are all sorts of unexpected events. It could be a terrible phone call tragic death of a loved one. It could be a sudden illness that you are diagnosed with in this coming year. But it could be a very joyful thing, a sudden unexpected promotion at, at work. It could be a very joyful thing for this church even of suddenly the Lord bringing in a variety of different people who want to come and hear the gospel. We, we don't know and we can't schedule these things. Life is uncertain. and Sometimes that uncertainty is what makes us anxious. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So we get worried and concerned about what the future is. We, we just can't schedule these things. It's not like you can sit down and say, well, tomorrow from 9.30 to 10, I'm planning to have a good cry. And then, you know, at about 11 o'clock, well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start being joyful again. And then, you know, we don't plan those things, right? It just, um, it just, you know, life sometimes just seems to happen to us. And we feel kind of out of control. There's a variety of seasons in life. And those seasons are often uncertain. Well, let me just move on so if, uh, to a third thing. Uh, so we have seen, uh, first of all, that uh, uh, life 
is often very repetitious. Secondly, that life is often very uh, uncertain. And then the third thing that we can be sure of in the passage of time is then at the end of it all, we are going to die. That's the third point. We find this in Ecclesiastes 9, verses 1 through 3. He says, All this I laid to heart, examining, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all. This is Ecclesiastes 9, 2. It is the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is uh, done under the sun, and that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, verse 3, they go to the dead. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9 is simply stating the fact that, in one sense, death seems to be no respecter of persons, that it happens to the righteous and to the unrighteous, to those who try to fill their lives doing good things and those who live their lives in very uh, selfish uh, ways. It, it, death eventually comes and perhaps there are certain things that we can do to try to put off death for a little while. Uh, we can try to eat well and get exercise and those are good things to do. But eventually we are going to die just like everybody else. So that is one of the sure things about the passage of time. And so when we look at what is life like in this world, one moment following the next, we can say these things, that there is a kind of repetition to life that seems at times can even almost seem kind of mind-numbing to us, one thing after another after another. There is an uncertainty to life that sometimes fills us with anxiety and dread about what might be around the corner and at the end of it all, we die. And that moment of our death is going to come to us. It might be after 30 years or after 70 years. There might be some who live to 100, probably very few who live much beyond that. But the day of death is going to come. Okay, well, Ecclesiastes is a wonderfully realistic book about life. But the question comes, well, in the midst of that kind of despairing, sort of uh, um, depressing kind of view of, of the passage of time. There's a fly that wants its way with me here. Uh, uh, despairing view, or a depressing view of kind of the passage of time. Is there any hope that comes out of the gospel of Christ? And I want to say, yes, there is. That is, that having, when we consider life under the sun, the passage of time is a terribly depressing thing. But when we remember that the Lord is at the center of our lives, when we fear God and keep his commandments, as we saw yesterday, uh, we see that even the passage of time is filled with wonderful God-centered meaning. And that's what I want to get at today. I'm going to say three things in the remainder of our time now about how 
knowing God really transforms our uh, view of time. Uh, the first of those things is this. It is that Christ's redemptive work gives meaning to our days. Christ's redemptive work gives meaning to our days. That is, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that gives meaning and keeps our days from a kind of tedium. The, um, earlier we said that in one sense there seems to be nothing new in life. Everything that has been is going to be again. There's a repetition to life under the sun. But do you know that the Bible does tell us that there are some things that are new? Christ has established a new covenant that is based on the finality of his redeeming work. When uh, Christ... Um, uh, uh, when Christ comes into our lives, we who once were dead in sin and transgression are given a new birth in which we become new creatures in Jesus Christ. We experience new life in him. And the Lord is taking us to that time when we will have, uh, or when he will usher in, at the time of his return and our final resurrection, a new heaven and new earth in which we dwell. And so the point is, is that in the midst of this world that is under the curse, dominated by sin, that our sovereign and gracious God has, as it were, broken into this sin-dominated world and has brought something new, a new age. An age dominated by truth and by righteousness and by his redeeming work. And so, friends, when we are Christians, though we experience the repetition of one day after another, if we belong to Jesus Christ, then we can know that the Lord is yet doing something new in our hearts through the work of, of Jesus Christ. He has broken into our seemingly futile existence and given meaning to everything that we do. And so, though one day does seem to be like the one before it, Though we simply wake up and we eat breakfast and we do laundry and we take care of kids and we go to our job and we eat a couple of other meals and we, we try to get a little bit of exercise and one day appears like the other in the midst of all of those very common and very ordinary things. The Lord is in our lives showing us more of his grace leading us to a deeper knowledge of him and conforming us unto the image of Jesus Christ and preparing us for glory. That's an awesome thought. And it gives meaning to all the very ordinary things that we go through that do seem repetitious. And though we are in a year from now going to experience another autumn, just like we've experienced this one and 
The year after that, we're going to go through the same cycle of seasons and our lives are just going to be progressing on faster and faster. We can trust that in the midst of all of these things, God is working out his good purposes in my life. And I trust that a year from now, I'm going to know my Lord Jesus better than I do better than I know him now. I can trust that five years from now, I'm going to be a little further, making further progress in a life of holiness and of service to God. I can trust that 10 years from now, that I will be that much closer to being with my Lord Jesus uh, in, in, in glory. And so though our lives do hurtle on faster and faster, the Lord is working something new in us. And that redemptive work of our Lord Jesus Christ is indeed what gives meaning uh, to all of our days. You know, the world around us is, is constantly, as it were, trying to find something that brings excitement and some sense of freshness and some sense of, of newness into their lives. And so they're, they're trying something to, to break up the tedium of life. They're trying to accomplish something, trying to find something. I, we can just think, uh, uh, I, I just uh, watched, a, a, what, last year maybe, the movie King Richard. And uh, it's about um, Richard Williams and raising daughters Venus and Serena to be great tennis players. I, I love tennis. I'm a tennis player myself. And uh, um, it was a fascinating movie, um, you know, of, of their kind of grit and determination and overcoming extraordinary adversity in order uh, to train these two young ladies to be outstanding tennis players. And they devote their lives to it. They give their lives to it. And it's one day of practice after another, after another, after another. And finally, at the very end of the movie, I think it was Venus who had made it finally the, the um, uh, pro tournament. And then I think the second match of her life, she plays the number one player in the world, ranks the uh, Sanchez Vicario, and uh, it's a back-and-forth match, and Venus actually loses the match, and she's a teenage girl still, and, uh, and she, she's depressed, and they show her kind of walking lonely through this, this uh, pro uh, tennis stadium, and then at the very last scene of the movie, she opens the doors wide, and there are all of these people, this giant crowd, out outside the stadium and they begin to chant her name Venus 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 and and the and the impression that you're given in the movie is you, you can finally see that all of those years all of that all of that work it's finally worth it here are these crowds of people though she just lost that match here are these crowds of people that recognize how great she is and I can remember as I watched that movie, and I, I love the game of tennis. I think it's a, it's a wonderful sport. But I can remember thinking, how pathetic is all of this? That you give your life one day after another to, to try to be good at this thing. And at the end of it, at the end of it, the, the kind of the crowning moment that the world says, this is what makes it all worth it, is everybody simply chanting your name. How silly. You know, really, how silly. And how much greater is the work of Jesus Christ in our lives that what we're living for is not just for fame and for glory and for people chanting our name, but it's rather we are living to be known by the living God. 
and to know him for all eternity. And friends, if I were to say, well, you need to live your life in order to try to attain tennis stardom, that's, what you, that's what's going to give your life meaning tomorrow and the day after. It's that you're going to achieve tennis greatness. Well, you might as well give up now. Even if you were, even if you were to make it like a Venus or a Serena, well, at the end of the day, what does it really matter? But when I say, no, but the living God has broken into your life and he has brought knowledge of of him, the one, the very creator of heaven and earth, you can now come to know through Jesus Christ. And he is transforming your life from the inside out. You are now the adopted child of God and you will know this God forever and ever. Friends, that is what gives meaning to the repetition of our days. That's something worth living for. So that's the first thing. Christ's redemptive work gives meaning to our day. Second thing I want to say is this about the passage of time. It is that God's providence controls what happens in our days. God's providence controls what happens in our uh, days. Again, we, this kind of answers the uncertainty of life. Okay, we said earlier that life is uncertain. We don't know what's gonna, what a day is going to bring or what a year is going to bring. But what the Bible teaches us is that what we don't know, God does know. And it's a beautiful doctrine called uh, God's providence. And it's uh, actually hinted at in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. When there it says, for everything there is a season, there is a time for every matter under heaven. Uh, so often the book of Ecclesiastes talks about life under the sun, meaning life only with reference to this present world. But here we are told that there is a time for every matter under heaven. That is, under the sovereign plan of Almighty God, he is the one who orders all of our seasons. And so we don't know, as it were, what season is going to come next. We don't know what events are going to break into our lives. But the point is, is that the Lord himself does know. Our Westminster Confession of Faith has a beautiful statement of God's providence. A chapter 5, a paragraph 1. And I just want you to hear this for a moment. This is... I think, one of the most liberating and comforting truths that there possibly ever could be. Listen for a moment. Chapter 5, paragraph 1. It's page 851 of the hymnal if you want to look. It says this. God, the great creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy providence according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his will to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. And that is saying 
that not a thing comes into your life, whether small or whether great, that doesn't come from the hand of your loving heavenly Father. And it comes into your life by his determination for his glory and for your good. And what an extraordinary thing that is because we don't know what a day is going to bring. But the Lord does and we can trust him. And then we actually read in paragraph 7 of chapter 5 these words that as the providence of God doth in general reach to all creatures, so after a most special manner it taketh care of his church and disposeth all things to the good thereof. What a wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I just spilled the water up here. Sorry. Uh, what a wonderful uh, truth that is uh, concerning the providence of God. Uh, that though we don't know what a day is going to bring, the Lord does know, and he governs all of it. And so that kind of matches some of the uncertainty of time's passage. It is a firm and steady belief in the providence of God. Do you believe, can you trust in that providence to direct and to dispose all of your days, not a single one of them outside of his, outside of his control? But now thirdly, what's the third truth that can help us now with the passage of time? And it is this. It is that Christ's victory gives abundant life beyond these days. So we've seen that Christ's redemptive work gives meaning to our days. God's providence controls what happens in our days. Thirdly, Christ's victory gives abundant life beyond these days. Friends, Ecclesiastes is starkly realistic. Death comes to all. Hebrews says, it is appointed to all men once to die and then the judgment. But the good news of the scriptures, dear friends, is that death does not have the final word. You know, the world in which we live, full of unbelievers, are full of people who are trying to put off death, trying to delay death. Their greatest fear is death. They try not to think about death. And they figure if they don't think about it, well, maybe they can ignore it long enough and just try to get as much out of life as they can possibly get. But all the while, death looms over them as it looms over us as well. But the good news is, as Christians is that we can look square, uh, square in the face of death. We don't have to divert our eyes. We don't have to try to put it out of our mind, but rather we can look square in the face of death and we can tell death that my Jesus has conquered you. And because my Jesus has conquered you, I also in him have conquered it as well. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ was one who experienced death, perhaps at a time that was an earlier day than many of us experienced it. He was in his early 30s. He experienced hostility from the, from the Jews because of his ministry. He faced the opposition of, of Rome. Now, our Lord Jesus was all-powerful. He could have put death 
death off, but it was God's perfect plan and it was his determined purpose to go to that cross in order to suffer for me and for you. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, in that garden of Gethsemane, uh, cried and wept before the Lord. He sweat great drops of blood in prospect of the death that was going to, he was going to experience the next day. And dear friends, in the same way that at some point, whether it's a heart attack or a car accident or a stroke or some other thing that is finally going to lead to that moment of your death, so our Lord Jesus has been there before us. He experienced nails put into his, uh, put into his uh, uh, hands he hung from a cross. He sought to draw his last breath until he could draw it no longer. And he entered into that place of the dead before us. But dear friends, death could not hold him. For the death that our Lord Jesus died, he died not for his own sin because he had none, but he died for our sins. He suffered the curse of the law on our behalf. And because he did that and paid its penalty to the full, he then rose triumphant on that third day. The tomb could not hold him. The grave could not keep him down, but rather he rose triumphantly and ascended to the right hand of the Father where he ever lives as king and head over all things for the sake of the church, ever living to intercede for us. And friends, the good news is that if you are a Christian, you are so united to Jesus Christ that his death satisfies for your sin, that his life is now your life. And just as surely as our Lord Jesus rose from the dead, he is the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep in him. And as he rose, we also are going to rise on that last final fair day and be with him forever. So for us, death is not something to be feared because at the moment of our death, our bodies are laid in the grave and they're still united to Jesus Christ. And our souls go immediately into the presence of our God where we are made sinless and we behold him face to face. And on that final day, our uh, our, uh, our uh, sinless souls are going to be joined then at that moment to our incorruptible resurrection bodies and we are going to be with him forevermore. World without end. And though time will continue to pass, there's going to be no end to the days that we experience in his presence. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise than when we'd first begun. And so death is inevitable unless Jesus comes first. But Christ has conquered death for all of his people. And so do you see, dear friends, in the midst of the passage of time, its repetition, its uncertainty, the stark reality of death, and all of the fear and anxiety that this produces in people in this world, friends, as Christians, as Christians, we have truth that helps us to, uh, helps us in the midst of all of those things. Christ's redemptive work gives meaning to every one of our days. God's providence controls what happens in every one of our days. And then Christ's victory will give us abundant life beyond 
these days. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for these lessons out of the book of Ecclesiastes. That you, O Lord, are the God of time. Though time does move on, and it moves on very quickly, 